Hey everyone, it's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. You ever been guilty of avoiding client feedback because you really didn't want to hear the negative? I know I have. Let's talk about how to use feedback to shave literally years off the path to growth in your business and how we can actually do it. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a 9-to-5 job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having a fantastic day. In the last episode, we talked about the importance of attracting the right clients and how to get rid of the wrong ones. In this episode, we're going to talk about getting feedback, why we sometimes struggle with it, and how we can use it to grow our business. So let's get real basic. What is feedback? I mean, from my perspective, feedback is nothing more than unfiltered communication from your clients or your customers, particularly as it relates to your product or service and as it relates to their problems their challenges, and their concerns. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, getting feedback from your clients should be an obvious thing. And, you know, maybe you and your company are great at it. Unfortunately, I've not always been, and it's still a work in progress in our company. You know, this may not be your experience. And to be honest, I haven't talked to a lot of other business owners about this, as it seems to be a touchy subject when I bring it up. For me, I had the wrong attitude and the wrong thought press for many years. You know, I've been in B2B sales for 25 years, and as of this recording, uh, you know, the last 20 years running my B2B marketing company, Sales Double, which specializes in cold calling. And, you know, during that time, I'm ashamed to say it's only been probably in the last four or five years where my company and I have started to make a concerted effort to solicit and use feedback to grow our business. So the question is, why did I, and, you know, I imagine other entrepreneurs, maybe you, maybe not, but avoid getting feedback from our clients and our customers? Well, in my opinion, there's a couple factors. The biggest one in my experience is the fear of hearing from our clients that our product or service doesn't work. You know, it's a substandard solution, you know, basically what we call negative feedback. I mean, it's comical, you know, when I think about it, but even after 15 years and tens of millions in revenue with clients who'd been with us from almost since the beginning, you know, in the back of my mind, I I still doubted. I thought, well, you know, are our clients getting their money's worth? You know, does our service actually work for them and so on? You know, when I think about it, it's logically ludicrous. I mean, if our service didn't work, why would some of our oldest clients have paid us hundreds of thousands of dollars for a solution that didn't work? But, you know, as you know, sometimes logic and emotion are two different things. And I think the reason that this was in the back of my mind is that, again, we were relying on what we and I thought about our company, not from a third party's perspective. You know, um, so why else did I avoid feedback? I mean, it's easy to take bad feedback personally. And let's face it, as entrepreneurs, our company are our babies. And it's like, you know, someone insulting our kids. It's not what we want to hear. Another reason I think I fell into was, you know, the fantasy that I and we at our company knew more about what our clients needed than they did. You know, if we're in a bubble and just rely on our own ideas and opinions, we can't possibly know what's actually valuable and worth getting paid for. And this is a major mistake I made for many years. You know, and then what about effort? I mean, let's not kid ourselves and you know, think that it won't take time and a consistent system and quite a bit of effort. If we haphazardly do it when we feel like it, you know, getting feedback just won't work and it'll be useless. And, you know, like I said, I've been guilty of this one many times. 
Um, and that's change. And, you know, if we get feedback, which we know is valid and we know you should make those changes based on the feedback, guess what? We actually have to make the changes. And sometimes it's not minor things, but, you know, it could be literally moving our company in a different direction. And that's not easy to do. And sometimes we avoid this because of it. And, you know, the last reason I found, and I'm sure there are more, is what I call waking the sleeping giant. You know, we have services that run from, you know, less than $100 to thousands per month. You know, I mean, have you ever looked at your credit card statement and saw that charge for $4.95 for some service that you don't use and, and then thought, geez, I need to cancel that? But then you just didn't get around to it month to month. But what happens if that company emails you and says, hey, what do you think of our product and service? I mean, that may be just the push you need to cancel. You know, we're always afraid that by contacting them that it might spur them to finally call and complain about something that they've been meaning to, but just didn't get around to it. And now we gave them the impetus or the reminder to do it. For many years, we didn't ask for feedback from our clients because we were afraid that if we reminded us that they were paying us, they might decide to quit. I mean, you know, in retrospect, dumb, but that was the mentality. So hopefully that's not your mentality and you've got this all figured out, but Stick with me for a few minutes as I think everyone can benefit from a few of the mistakes that we've made and the screw-ups over the years. You know, whenever I'm looking at a strategy or a tactic in business, I always look at the downside to not implementing it and also the upside potential to implementation. You know, those are the, some of the downsides to not getting feedback and having an open communication, but what are the upsides? Well, of course, a lot of them are just the opposites of negatives. You know, number one, it's confidence for you as the owner. If you've ever experienced what I'm talking about, questioning in the back of your mind whether your solution actually works and it's actually a good investment for your customers, I mean, this is huge. If you get positive feedback from clients, it does wonders for your confidence. It builds your confidence in selling new clients and your confidence in aggressively growing your company and getting the word out. You know, since we started getting more consistent feedback from our clients, we've had clients tell us that they did, you know, 10 deals in the last year and half of them were from us. I mean, this equates to the client getting a, a 40x payout, you know, from what they invested us or more. I mean, talk about a confidence booster. And we now hear, regularly hear feedback like this because we're asking for it. Also, confidence for you as the owner, basically knowing your solution is helping, you know, other people is often better than money. I mean, certainly in the long run. I mean, when we get started, you know, money is what we're mostly focused on. But over time, it becomes something else. And that's what keeps us going. The money only goes so far. But, you know, as entrepreneurs and leaders, we're not our company. I mean, we're the leader and we may do some tasks that are more, you know, worker related. But the reality is our team runs our business from day to day if you have one. And, you know, they make things happen. But it's hard for them to do if they don't have that same confidence. So giving them that confidence makes them feel better about what they're doing and happy employees stick with you. And by getting feedback, you know, you're going to know which clients are happy, which needs some TLC. You know, and this is tricky if you have a large number of customers, so you don't know them by name, but you can target solutions to feedback to that group of customers based upon answers to surveys and things like that. Next, and this is a big one, your customers will feel heard. Customer service people are taught to listen and let customers vent. Why? Because if the customer feels heard, they're likely going to give you the benefit of the doubt with any problems and be happier in general. You know, the next one is probably the biggest reason to get feedback systematically and regularly. You and your team will know what your customers actually want versus what you think they want. I mean, this allows you to pivot your solution to fit your clients' needs, and this will build raving fans over time as they're getting exactly what they want and need. And finally, this reason is sometimes painful to admit to myself, but um, 
you know, you and your team are just not smart enough to come up with all the ideas and solutions. I know I'm not, at least from my experience. You know, when we didn't actually solicit and act on feedback, we were stuck in sort of a groupthink in our company and limited in our ideas. I mean, no one can figure it out all by themselves. And your customers will suggest ideas that you've never thought of. And you also find out inside info in your competitors as clients will tell you why they used a competitor or what it was like to be a customer with them, et cetera. Okay, so, you know, that's great in theory, uh, like any business training, you know, but if you don't have specifics on how to implement, it's just theory that makes you feel good. Knowledge isn't power, uh, you know, although they like to say it is. Knowledge act upon is power. Execution trumps knowledge, you know, every day of the week. So how do we actually solicit and get quality feedback? You know, first of all, is mindset. And, you know, I'm not a big word of, or a big fan of that word mindset as it's overused and, you know, everybody likes to talk about it. To me, it's more like an attitude and thinking, but, you know, I'm going to use it here for convenience. To get started, you have to admit to yourself and accept that you're going to get good and bad feedback. Be okay with the bad as much as the good. So start looking forward to constructive feedback for all the reasons that we just talked about. I mean, it's okay and you want to hear the truth, so embrace it. Take the attitude that you can't help your clients if you don't know what they think and what's important to them. So once you get this, quote, mindset right, you know, how do you actually take action? When you first have to look about, you know, the process of how to actually get quality of feedback, you know, there are really two different situations in my mind when I think about soliciting feedback. There's the more personal one-on-one and, you know, the less personal, but just as important. um, And both of these are, are primarily due to the size or the number of your clients or customers. I mean, if you have a small number of clients that you know by name, like, you know, maybe under 50 or whatever, you can do things like interview them over the phone and video and send personalized emails to the clients. Do small group forums and sponsored fun activities where you're actually interacting with them one-on-one. You know, go to a baseball game together or whatever. For companies that have more customers where you don't have that one-on-one relationship, you have to gather more generalized feedback. I mean, you can do things like surveys via email or social media and even phone-based. You know, forums or open seminars. Uh, you know, a random sampling of direct contact uh, for feedback. You know, I mean, uh, a good sample size statistically is about ten percent. So, if you had a thousand clients, you know, hundred uh, you might call and directly ask some questions. You know, maybe an incentive uh, for feedback, a gift card, whatever. I mean, I'm generally not a fan of these, as I'm a little bit more interested in people who will feel strongly one way or the other about their opinion. But uh, you know, it can be done depending on the situation. So. With either of the more personalized or the larger number of clients, there are a couple of common components that I think you want to make sure are included. I mean, first, make it super easy and convenient for the clients. If you ask them for too much of their time, they're simply not going to do it. I love these surveys that say, hey, you know, give us 12 minutes of your time. It's like, I, you know, I don't care enough to give you 12 minutes of my time. But if they say, you know, give me one minute of your time for two questions, it's like, okay, then I might answer it. So make it short and, you know, only pick the very important questions. You can do multiple surveys and ask only one or two questions. So, but first of all, pick the highest priority questions that you need to know. And that's usually what their biggest problem is and how well your solution is solving that problem. And, you know, let clients know how much you value them and their thoughts. So those are the, the big components. Now we've got some strategies on how to collect, but what do we do with the feedback that we gather from our customers? Again, you know, the two categories, the more personalized one and the generalization for a large number of clients. You know, for the more personalized ones, uh, the one-on-one feedback, take the answers you get and start putting them into, you know, a spreadsheet or something simple. You know, what was their feedback? You know, and how would you categorize that feedback? 
I, was it related to, you know, a product feature of yours or service feature, you know, customer service changes, pricing, whatever, you know, just kind of be generic and, and figure out a, a, just a wide 30,000 foot view category. You know, after you start getting some significant feedback, you know, I'd say, you know, maybe at least 10, you know, probably more than that, but start looking at the categories and most likely the responses are going to be a crom- common across the board as far as the categories. It's be very similar things. You know, once you've categorized them, then you can start evaluating them by kind of summarizing each category. Like, for instance, you know, customers seem to feel like we need X feature or whatever, you know, and figure out which ones are valid and which ones the clients think are valid, which is really the most important thing. And that last part is one we've stumbled on. I mean, when reviewing feedback, categorizing, et cetera, sometimes we have the thought that, well, you know, that's not valid. The client's wrong. What they need to do is X because we said so. But you think about it, it actually doesn't matter if the customer's feedback is fantasy land or if they have legit critique. Both are just as important. What matters is the customer's perception of your solution and whatever they're giving you feedback from. If you feel view your feedback as invalid or wrong, it means one thing. Either you haven't educated your clients about your solution or you haven't explained things properly. So after you get feedback, I mean, categorize it, evaluate the valid ideas, and it's time to execute. However, importantly, when you're done with interviewing and working with clients, let them know how much you appreciate them and their business. Do this when you're getting uh, the feedback and don't wait. You know, and after you implement an idea that a client gives you and it works, you know, talk to the client, let them know, hey, you know, we've implemented this solution, you know, per your suggestion and thank them again for sharing with you. This will do huge things for your brand loyalty and create many more raving fans. So what about a larger number of customers? How do you handle that feedback? I mean, it's a similar process, but a few tweaks. You know, as you get a substantial number, like I said, probably at least 10% of your, the total surveyed customers, start categorizing. I mean, 10% is a good number. Statistically, you can take, you know, a 10% sample of a larger group like 1,000 and pull 100 of them, and this will give you a pretty accurate representation of the larger group. You know, it's funny how math works, but that's the deal. So break down the answers in general categories uh, that you're going to have some, you know, outliers, but in general, you're going to see the trends. Now take the categories and the answers and evaluate them just like with a smaller number of clients. Take them one by one and evaluate. Is that true? You know, if you don't think they're valid, um, you know, you're either wrong or you haven't presented a solution to them in a way that they perceive as valuable. And like before, the next step is obviously schedule execution on the most important ideas first. And then after you start to execute them, report back to your surveyed customers and thank them for their input and let them know, you know, you made changes. I mean, this is something we're actually experimenting with in our company right now. We, we did a recent survey of clients, and we're going to go back to reach out to them and thank them for their participation. And not just the ones that actually responded, but everyone, even if they didn't respond. So my guess is this is going to be a winner, but I'll let you know in a future episode how it went. Okay, so hopefully at this point, you've got a handle on the consequences, not soliciting feedback, the benefits, and some ideas on how to actually implement and take action. So takeaways from this episode. I mean, hopefully at this point, you've got a handle on the consequences of not soliciting feedback or being afraid to, you know, and all the benefits uh, that we can gain and grow our companies with by doing it. And then some practical ideas on how to actually implement and take action. I hope this is helpful and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform and give me your honest feedback. 
Also, I put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years owning a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. 